So, if you can hear me okay? All right. For the first couple of months of this pandemic, most of us responded to the mandated sheltering at home. We had a sense of doing what was necessary for the greater good. Flatten the curve. We were all pulling together. Streets and highways had barely any traffic. We rarely heard a plane. Air smelled so pure. Spring arrived with more birds and flowers than ever. Meanwhile, those deemed essential workers, doctors, nurses, orderlies, those delivering our mail, our packages, picking up trash, preparing food, staffing pharmacies, worked around the clock, putting their own lives and their families at risk on our behalf. And people started helping each other, setting up informal mutual aid societies, volunteering, creating relief funds, helping children eat who had no school lunches. Our son and daughter-in-law who own a restaurant in Northampton, Massachusetts, had to close to any dining in, but they kept on cooking, ordering from small local farms and delivering to their online customers going to everyone's homes and to food banks. But as Avaz columnist Mike Bailey commented, there's a danger that the tenderness of this moment will fade. We can already see it in the divisions being redrawn for political gain and the conspiracy theories going viral. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and unity that millions of us have felt amidst this horrific crisis is a fragile thing that needs to be defended." End quote. Upholding this spirit, fragile as it may seem, is our practice. Rather than defending our personal preferences, rights, and entitlements, we look at our own conduct we see where we have fallen short 
where we have hurt another. And vow to meet the ongoing moment with renewed tenderness. But as I don't have to tell you, with the economy in free fall, there is great pressure to get the country back to some semblance of productivity. Donald G. McNeil Jr., the New York Times medical writer, noted a few days ago, millions of working people and small business owners who cannot earn money while sheltering at home are facing economic ruin. So dozens of states seeking to ease the pain are coming out of lockdown. Most have not met even minimal criteria for doing so safely. And some are reopening even as coronavirus cases rise, inviting disaster. Recently, Shodo Harada Roshi said, we do need to reflect upon how we can deal with the situation in the best possible way. What this means for us in our training is that we do need to have patience. It is not about yesterday and today only. We need to continue our efforts to see how we can live within challenging situations, end quote. Without this training, it's really hard to face each day with patient forbearance. With restrictions lifted, despite the warning to observe social distancing and wear masks when outdoors or in public places, there's been a rampant return to individualism. Don't tell me what to do. Don't mess with my freedom. I don't need to wear a mask. I was going to address you this morning wearing a mask. It's so important. Why do we do it? That's our Bodhisattva vow to protect others. And we see the rifts 
in the body politic. The three poisons, greed, anger, delusion, flow down from the highest levels of government. So in Michigan, armed protesters at the state capitol closed down a legislative session. Wisconsin Supreme Court overruled a statewide stay-at-home order. And what happened next? The bars were jam-packed. So thinking about all this divisiveness, I was reminded of case 14 of the gateless barrier. Nonsense cuts a cat into. The same story occurs in case 63 of the Blue Cliff Record. Many of you know it. The monks of the red and blue halls, no, eastern and western halls, were arguing over a cat. Nansen grabbed the cat, held it up, and said, if anyone can say a word, I will spare the cat. If not, I will kill it. No one could respond. Nansen cut the cat in two. Now we might see our nation as the cat. COVID-19 as the teacher. How do we save the nation? How do we save humanity from itself? How do we save the planet? How do we respond to this dire moment? Well, you know, our usual approach is to figure out who is right, who is wrong. So in the koan, we have these two groups, the monks of the Eastern and the Western halls. And each group is taking a different position. Perhaps they're arguing about who owns the cat. Perhaps they're disagreeing about catness. Does a cat have Buddha nature? 
So Nan Sen holds the cat in one hand and a knife in the other and demands, say a word. What do you say? A typical answer to this koan is to shout, stop, don't break the first precept. But that would certainly not have saved the cat any more than the monk's hesitation, lack of confidence, and reluctance to respond would have. So as we know, there's plenty of shouting going on now. What is urgently needed is a response that is free from attachment to any view, free from dualism, my way, their way, good, bad, free from self versus other. And for that to be possible, we really need to see where we're stuck. See our attachments, see our clinging to a cat, to land we call our own, to something we can count on. separate selfhood to life apart from death. We as practitioners must become aware of the arguments in our own minds. The arguments that revolve around our views of how others should be, or what the right decision might be, how to ensure a good outcome, all the things that paralyze us. And maybe we want things to be as they were, unchanged, back to normal pre-pandemic. We're told that the coronavirus will be around for a long, long time. We want resolution now. We, are, we, we really want a good ending to this story. We want it 
now. But all this wanting just gets us more entangled and more invested in dualism. Clinging can never be kept within bounds as Sosan Zenji, the third ancestor said, quit it and things follow their own courses while essence neither departs nor abides. So how do we quit it? How do we loosen the hold of preferential mind? <clears throat> of choice and attachment? Well, by opening, as Pema Chodron puts it, to the present groundless moment, to a direct, unarmored participation with our experience. Slowly we edge toward the open state, but let's face it, we are moving toward a place of no handholds, no footholds, no mind holds. This may be called liberation, but for a long time, it feels like insecurity." End quote. So we sit, sitting after sitting, what happens? Trust in this groundlessness grows. It deepens and we discover that within ourselves is the master of circumstances, as Rinzai called it. D.T. Suzuki wrote about something called GU, Japanese GU, which literally means to be master of oneself. The word GU appears not only in the book of Rinzai, but even earlier in the sayings of Nansen. Dr. Suzuki said, While freedom or liberty means 
to be released from something. Jiyu means to be of and by itself, a much deeper meaning. Westerners always tend to think of something that comes from without. Thou, as opposed to I. That necessitates their gaining freedom from the opposition thus produced. In the East, the innate function of a thing comes about with its being by and of itself." End quote. So Nansen demands, say a word and I'll save the cat. But no one can respond. There is no one who has realized being by and of itself. So, cuts through what comes from without with blade that cuts two into one. Innately functioning by and of itself. Then there is just Jiu, this by and of itself, true liberation, true saving. And we have to ask ourselves, what is killed when Nansen cuts the cat. Can true nature be killed? Engo Kokogon says in his commentary in the Blue Cliff Record, The fact is that he, Nansen, really did not kill. This story does not lie in killing or not killing. If you go searching in emotions and opinions, then you turn against Nansen. Just see it right on the edge of the knife. If it exists, all right. If it does not exist, all right. If it neither exists nor doesn't exist, that is all right too. That is why an ancient said, 
when at an impasse, change. When you change, you can pass through. Every koan demands this of us. Every life situation, particularly right now, demands this of us. This is what the coronavirus is urging us to do. We are, our nation is, the earth is at an impasse. Just like Zoom, we freeze. Cannot respond. What should I do? And at that impasse, we must see what needs to be changed. How can I change? Look, I am in this temporary form, this illusory form. What am I clinging to? When it disappears, then what? So each of us must face our own death. The body is cast off. We change our clothes. And it's when we cling to some view, some kind of reassurance about what we erroneously think has some unchanging, fixed substance that we suffer and cannot save a single being. You may remember in the Diamond Sutra, the passage where Buddha says, let no one say that the Tathagata cherishes the idea, I must liberate all living beings. Allow no such thoughts, Sabuti. In reality, there are no living beings to be liberated. If there were liber living beings for the Tathagata to liberate, he would be deceived by the idea of a separate individuality. So to save all beings, however innumerable, to liberate beings from suffering, 
We must know this for ourselves. We cannot preserve anyone or anything from change, whether incremental or sudden. We can only respond directly with the wisdom and compassion that come from our intensive practice, from our experience of Jiyu, this by and of itself, this master within. Dogen said, death, just death, all the way through, complete manifestation, complete life. Or as Nansen's great disciple Joshu said in case 11, free to give, free to take, free to kill, free to save. The world awaits our waking up to this freedom. In the words of Bob Dylan, I see my light come shining from the west down to the east. Any day now, any way now, I shall be. Really.